0: everyone. Helping Parents Heal assists bereaved parents in very significant ways. It provides personal and specialized support, tips and tools for finding hope for those parents whose children have passed. It offers much-needed peer support, which aids in the healing process, going a step beyond other groups because it supports the open discussion of spiritual experiences and evidence for the afterlife in a non-dogmatic way. Everyone is welcome, regardless of religious or non-religious background, allowing for open dialogues for those to wish who wish to share their personal afterlife communications. I'm truly both delighted and honored to have been asked to interview some of the enlightened presenters who are at this conference. These insights provide uplifting interviews comprising a special new series on Grief and Rebirth podcast that will illumine the wondrous healing work of helping parents heal. The organization's sole mission is to help other parents who have also lost their precious children, ensuring them that they need not walk alone through their profound grief. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Our next interview here at the Helping Parents Heal Conference is with Mary Burton, who is a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and a North Carolina Fellow. Mary spent most of her working career as an adult education teacher and instructional designer while she raised her four children, but nothing could have prepared her for the death of her 19-year-old Marine son, Chas, early in 2012. Mary's spiritual education and excellent therapist and journaling helped her move through her intense grief. And through this journey, she began to understand how she could be of service to others. As her awareness grew, she began noticing signs Chas was sending her way. And two years after he transitioned, Mary heard Chass's voice, Com- uh, communication downloads from him then followed. With Chass's guidance, Mary wrote her first book titled The 21 Day Doorway Across the Veil, and she recently published her second book titled Never Miss a Chance to Shut Up, Listening for Our Loved Ones in Spirit. Mary is now a certified coach with the International Coach Federation, and she is also the founder and co-leader of the Helping Parents Heal affiliate called Connecting with Our Loved Ones, which currently has 1,400 members. I'm looking forward to talking with Mary today about her healing journey through grief, how to reach out and converse with a loved one as well as your team in the spiritual realm. The common signs our deceased loved ones send us and more for what is surely going to be an enlightening, insights-filled and very uplifting interview. Hi, Mary. Thank you, Irene. Welcome so much to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's wonderful to have you here and be sharing this experience with you, truly. So let's begin. Let me ask you our first question here. Would you like to tell us about your cherished son, Chas,
1: your relationship with him, and describe how he transitioned in 2012. Okay. Um, my son, Chaz, is just uh, an amazing, amazing soul. Um, beautiful, beautiful young man here on Earth. Um, more friends than I realized he had. Um, I realized that really only after after his transition. Uh, he was a Marine, and he was very anxious to um, maintain being in the Marines, uh, tried to be over and over again the perfect Marine, and probably was. Uh, he had many friends. He used to have a sort of cult following of younger men who would often follow him around. He wears his Marine insignias and things like that. Uh, So he's very proud of what he accomplished. Um, He had a failed love affair, and um, I think that that uh, was possibly a trigger for him. Uh, He was very conscious of what the Marines required of him, but he did leave this world by his own hand in 2012. Um, And I've never felt any, um, personally, I've never felt any anger over that. I struggled for a while to understand it, but I you know, I never felt any anger at him for that decision.
0: Well, you have compassion. It sounds like you have tremendous compassion for what he was going through.
1: Yeah, for what he was going through. But for him, he's, uh, he's a big adventurer, so it was on to the next adventure was part of his, his demeanor and doing that. Um, he was always full of a great deal of love as well as protection for others. And I would see that uh, in him in terms of things that he would describe to me. So he has maintained that and maybe grown that perhaps as he's once he transitioned. But I will say it took me about two years of really hard grief work before oh, I, I understood. It There
0: was a shock also and everything else that went along with it. Yeah. But what I really admired when I was learning about you is that you already had a spiritual education, a therapist and journaling. So this helped you. With your unbearable heartache when chas transitioned, right? How did that how did that work for you?
1: Well, I've always been a writer and so I had done a lot of journaling, but as with the case with many people who have suffered significant loss even like yourself oftentimes family and friends are not necessarily a support so i didn't really know anything about this and about 14 months into the process i looked in the mirror one day and it was like something's wrong with this picture i need help and so um, I went to my uh, went to my healthcare provider, and they have a triage system and a whole list to pick from. And at the time, I thought I was incredibly lucky. Um, to end up with the therapist I ended up with. And now I know luck had nothing to do with
0: it. So (laughs) So, why Uh, do you feel that you were
1: synchronistically or vibrationally matched that way? uh, Because I would never have chosen her necessarily if I was given the credentials of people and was choosing from a list and I was just like, give me somebody near where I live. Mm -hmm. And... She was somebody who had a lot of spiritual education herself, um, and while she was very careful about the boundaries of what a clinical therapist has to do, uh, she was also open, as I would repeatedly pester her, with spirituality questions. So she was open to sharing with me and explaining to me when something would occur to me and I didn't have an explanation for it. She would sometimes uh, send me to different resources um, you know, it's just a wonderful, wonderful therapist. That's wonderful. And how did that help you understand that you could be of service to others? Um, it, it was a much uh, longer road in terms of that. Uh, my education came from um, several years after Chaz's transition. Um, the great medium and teacher, Suzanne Giesman, appeared in a place where I could drive. I could drive from where I was in Wisconsin down to St. Louis, and it was still. Even though I'm a professional educator, it was still the best, uh, best educational experience I could have. And so it exposed me a lot of concepts. That's where I learned about helping parents heal. Um, and I remember they had a sign up list of people who they wanted to get together in a group. And clearly there were people who are out of state at this, at this session. And so I didn't sign up at first, but then I called them like two weeks later, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm rethinking this. I want to sign up in the list. And, and they're like, yeah, we don't know what to do about these out-of-state people. And so I was like, okay, well, I, you know, I work in education. I do online education. I'll be glad to, to take those people and start a group and Cause start you do working it all,
0: with all online with people
1: Yeah, so it started, all over the United States, basically? Yeah, yeah, started using Zoom at that point, started... Um, we called it a mediumship development circle, but I think most people called it Mary Burton's group. Um, and we met for about three years working on different spiritual topics. Uh, sometimes people would bring in different resources to the group. Uh, Suzanne Giesemann, uh talked to us at one point. We had some other speakers in that group. Um, And so some of us worked on and developed a lot of our our skills at connecting during that that period of time. Um, And some of it also started with my therapist, Rose Gilardi, who would direct me to people who could answer questions that she could not answer. So that was uh, helpful. Indeed, wonderful. Yeah. It sounds wonderful.
0: Well, your presentation to Helping Parents Heal is titled, Communicating with Our Loved Ones. Mm -hmm. Right Right, part of this theme. And one of the points you make is that through mindful approaches to our loved ones, love and gratitude, we can connect with them.
1: We're all ears, Mary, tell us what that's about. Okay, we had the most wonderful, most wonderful workshop yesterday. Um, I think the room housed 200 people, but we probably have pretty close to 300 in there. And, you know, The energy and the love in that room was so, so apparent. I could, you know, feel as each, you know, the children know. They know ahead of time that their parent is going to be here. They know their parent is trying to reach them. And so we just had some incredible things that happened. There are many different ways for parents to connect with children in spirit. And so I will never profess to having the exclusive rights on that. But we do know what works and what doesn't work. So what does work? is having very positive, loving, caring, compassionate, grateful attitudes. And we know that we keep our exercises small, just a 12 minute period. So we often say, If you can keep these thoughts away for those 12 minutes, you can return to them anytime. Um, We also know that
0: the negative thoughts, the the negative thoughts, because
1: grief is normal and it's going to go on as long as it's going to go on. So we often say to people, connecting with your child is a wonderful experience. However, there's also your own healing experience, and we know you can be very early on in your process and still connect with your child. But if you ignore the part of healing, it'll eventually turn around and. Kick you in the behind.
0: Peter, <laughs> so what do you call the part of healing? Like, what do you encourage them to do to,
1: to heal? Well, I'm very lucky in that I have a, a co leader of our affiliate, Tava uh, Wilson. I have other people, uh, Joe Greeney down in uh, Australia, in New Zealand, actually. Um, who are very experienced and very credentialed at the grief and healing part of things. So we do have resources within our own groups and and within my own classes where we can refer people to that. That's Um, a blessing. Yeah. That's a blessing. Yeah, so we're lucky in that way. But we know that it's both things. And uh, we also know that, you know, if somebody's approached me and they've been a matter of weeks or a matter of months, it's not necessarily too early. We've had people uh, make extremely successful connections early on so we never say no uh, because it really depends on the individual and how receptive they are as far as what's going to happen. So now did everyone who attended yesterday
0: absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt that their child or children were there and encouraging them and very present
1: with them? Well I start by asking, telling them that I do sense them coming into the room with them and ask them to silently welcome their child and to see their child there. There's a piece of mindfulness in terms of seeing your child while you're going through the exercise. Um, the very first person who gave us feedback yesterday just loved her question. She said, I was going to ask you, she said, I didn't earlier, but she said, I was going to ask you, how do I tell the difference between what I make up in my own mind and my son hopping in? And she said, and then he connected with me and she said, I had no doubt because he was a poet and he wrote poems and he gave me a poem. And she said, I am not a poet, I, don't, I can't create poems. So to some extent, she answered her own question. What I tell parents is three things to distinguish that. The first is the speed at which the voice drops in. Um, If you look at your own thoughts and you listen to, say, creating a trip, creating a vacation plan, something like that, you'll understand the rhythm and the speed at which you create things in your own mind. Um, The speed at which a child drops in is so fast, you didn't even have time to make it up in your own mind. So speed is a, a major indicator. We also say another way you can determine is that children will often use language or patterns of speech that you yourself would not use. So, the first time Chaz connected with me, um, he literally used a curse term. I I don't curse like he curses, so it was really pretty clear. Yeah, I knew knew it was him. Um, And so, oftentimes that'll be a distinguishing way. The other thing I tell parents to do is to, again, a lot of people are isolated and not in a section of family or friends where they have a lot of support. But I say they can use a divination method, like a pendulum, to get a yes or no answer. Was that you? Yes or no? Um, Or if they do have a friend who has belief in the afterlife and has some spiritual experience to review what they've experienced with that friend. And that itself can serve as confirmation of whether they've done that or not. It's pretty common when I have classes and practices for parents to start out with, well, I didn't get much. And then they will tell you all these things that they received, and you're like, what do you mean you didn't get much? You know, (laughs) you've got a a tremendous connection going here. So doubting yourself is the human condition. That's the thing that stands in the way, right? Yeah. So now you also talk about spiritual teams. Yes, and We all have spiritual teams.
0: Would you like to educate us and please tell us, what does a team do for a person? Is there a difference between connecting with a loved one who's transitioned and a person's team in the spiritual realm? Uh,
1: there is a difference only in the sense that I, I say this often to parents, um, our responsibility as a parent did not end because our child transitioned. So people look at me like, what do you mean? I you know, support, guide, you know, protect, provide for my child on this earth, what do I do for them over there? And one of the things that you do do is communicate with them and communicate with them regularly. My belief is that your child is on your spiritual team at least initially in the first couple of years because they see your hurt, they see your grief, They wouldn't come back. It's a really hard thing to hear. They wouldn't come back to this earth, uh, but they would do anything to help you out. So having your child there as part of your spiritual team is good. But if you think about as a parent, you know how I say to parents, how often did your child have to ask permission to talk to you? Like never. never. Yeah, like they interrupt you in the middle of whatever you're doing. But it operates differently with different spiritual entities on your team, whether they're guides or they're guardian angels or whatever. They have to have the door open because you have free will. So... They're in a different capacity than your child is on your team, in that you at least once have to indicate your openness to them coming in and helping to invite you invite
0: them in. Where your kid is not, where your child's not waiting for an
1: invitation. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but those other entities are also pretty important on your team. Your children can't be in constant contact with you they are evolving and changing themselves. The other thing that happens that can be difficult for parents is if a, a child had, let's say they had an addiction problem, or let's say they were disabled and wheelchair-bound, or they might be nonverbal. All of that drops away from them when they make their transition. Uh, one of my favorite stories is featured in my uh, second book, is a lady named Ruth, and her child had what's called angel Man syndrome, and Kevin was nonverbal when he was here. But she would ask him questions like do you want a sandwich and she would imagine the answer in her mind and give him a sandwich or whatever and so when she asked him during one of our practices how do you want to communicate with me now his answer was the same way we always did when i was on earth so she came to realize that he was answering her even when yeah she thought it was her but he was answering her and she received that answer on earth, so he's like, this is no different. Wow. <laughs> now so, I'm talking to you. Wow, so tell us about your book, Never Miss a Chance to Shut Up. That's um, a great title. <laughs> 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 How did you get the title? <laughs> I was given that title I was told to use it, so I was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. You actually channeled that title. Well, they just dropped in on me and said, this is what you're going to call it. And they did that with the first book, too. And I didn't realize at the time it was my son because the language he was using was sort of different for him. But um, that book got written in like five or six weeks uh, because he just download, download, download. Every time I thought I was stuck, he redirected me. In this case, I wanted to focus on stories of... More than just helping parents heal, although there are a number of those in the book, I wanted to also focus on stories of people who, like yourself, have connected with a loved one that they're close to, might be a partner, Mm -hmm. might be a parent, uh, but have a definite connection. Because as as I say in the book, love is the currency of the universe. That's not restricted to a certain position, uh, even though losing a child is a terrible experience. so um, My favorite story came yesterday during the workshop when someone said, you know, I don't know if I believe this stuff. I hear these people talking about... Wait, this person came
0: to the Helping Parents Heal conference, and
1: and they're sitting there saying, I don't know if I believe this stuff. Exactly. And they had their childhood transition three years earlier, and she said, I begged, I pleaded, to receive a sign from him, something, a word, anything, and she said, I got nothing. But she said, when we walked through this exercise today, she said, he stood in front of me, and then he stood behind me, and he wrapped his arms around me and hugged me, and then he reached over and kissed me on my temple, just like the last kiss I gave him on this earth. Which to me is, again, the example of someone who could blend energy And is a beautiful, beautiful story. So for three years, she had no contact, and now she has definite contact. Who (laughs) wouldn't take a hug, right? Absolutely. So are there
0: certain steps you suggest for effective spiritual listening when people... Are
1: really trying to get those messages to connect? It, it's really hard work. I would suggest that people, and have suggested this several times, they set aside time, a specific time of day that works for them. Could be morning, could be night, doesn't really matter. And even if it's only once a month or, or once a week, their loved one will get used to this is a schedule and this is when we're going to talk. So they, you need to keep a schedule for them. To some extent, it's helpful to them because if it's not enough, they're going to bug the heck out of you. until you do respond, you make it more regular. Um, so I suggest that as a way for uh, them to improve their communication. There's really only one book I've Found out there that's useful, and it's not one that's normally recommended. Um, Julia Cameron, who wrote *The Artist's Way*, also wrote a final book called *The Listening Path*. And what *The Listening Path* is about directing your attention to matters of spirituality. When you think about it, being creative is very spiritual practice. So, uh, it's a wonderful book. It has some uh, great advice about directing your attention to how you get in that listening mode. But no no joke, listening is just hard work. It's hard work to maintain the focus and to listen, particularly if you feel you're not getting anything. So we work through a process on the front end where we take people's attention to the different levels of spiritual awareness. It's, I call it the five levels of spiritual awareness. It's out on my website and I've got a copy of it that I use during practice. So we bring people's attention to that, we let them focus on that level of attention like energy for 15 seconds or so and then we move on to the next descriptor and that sort of helps bring somebody's attention to the observer role to be open to whatever occurs
0: well you also talk about the channel thing channel 11 and they're on channel yeah three. tell yeah. us about that so you're teaching people how to raise their vibration to be able to hear their, their loved ones your yeah. spirit
1: right yeah so that that analogy actually comes from a good friend of mine uh, Bob Jacobs who's also a medium and he, uh, I asked him to explain someone what he does. And he said, well, they just pop out at me. I'm like, what do you mean they just pop out at you? And he said, he said well, yeah, I'm a guy. And I, when I get really strong emotions, I know to pay attention to them. That's when they make themselves evidence and I talk to them. And so he, he describes the level of where we are now, the Channel 3, and where they are, Channel 5, and trying to draw those things closer together. So one of the things we do is we advise people, first of all, to communicate regularly, to either talk out loud or silently to their child. It doesn't matter. The other thing we have them do is we have them write a letter to their child. It can be a very brief letter, but we say it should be only full of love and gratitude. Then we ask them to reread that letter to themselves right before the practice. Uh, that does two things. First of all, the kids absolutely love it. They just, of everybody they, they, wants to hear. yeah, they're just looking over it, then they share notes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the other thing it does, if you reread that letter to yourself, it brings your vibration up. It lets you know that you're supposed to be focusing on love. Um, it's not meditation, although I've heard people talk about it as meditation. When we actually go through the 12 minutes, I say if thoughts are intruding, you can do one of two things. First of all, you can ask your guardian angel to help you keep your mind clear, and they will. Uh, The other thing that you can do is just simply focus on your child. You can look at a picture of them. Um, You can just send love to them and just try to keep all other thoughts out. It's only a 12 minute period. You can do 12 minutes type of thing. Um, so that, if someone is successful in keeping a blank slate, the children can drop in any number of ways. Wow, that's great. And um, you've got
0: these online, you have an online class. Mm-hmm. You have a, a, a something about, you have a communicating with our loved ones class, online classes, coaching.
1: Tell us all about that. Okay. Um, I. Usually a couple times a year I run classes. They're usually five five sessions. Um, I try to keep my groups small, both my classes and my practice groups. I run practices two times a month, usually on Wednesdays and Thursdays. The the hard part is that the kids don't care about anybody's They're not schedule. Your schedule. So, so there's no time where they are. Yeah, and they can be multiple places at once. Right. So they might connect with their parent on a Wednesday but they'll show up in Thursday practice as well. So in somebody else's message. So uh, we do find that, that they really like each other. Uh, They have given themselves a name. I didn't come up with this. Somebody else in our group received this message. They call themselves the chosen collective and they just like spending time together. They like hanging out. So um, they spend their time hanging out, but they're also in touch individually with their parents and they work together to make that happen Um, really quick story they also work with other children whose parents are not in the mode that we are of trying to reach out and connect with them Um, they showed me a picture of a little boy uh, passed away about two years ago in Canada who's been trying to reach his mom and what they suggested to him was find something in her household she uses regularly and he says well she cooks a lot and they said perfect you know, use a stirring spoon or a dish or something like that. She always places in the same place. And then start moving it to other places of the household. Move it to the bathroom, move it to the garage. And the first couple of times she'll be annoyed, but eventually when it keeps happening, she puts it in the same place, but it shows up somewhere else. She'll realize that that's you from say you. say hello. Yeah, that you're saying hello to her. So um, I thought that was incredibly clever, something I would never have come up with myself. <laughs> so... They work pretty actively to make sure each other is successful, as well as other children that they, you know, sort of recruit to their groups. So. And
0: Which, for people to, who are listening to the podcast, they can
1: play with energy. They yes. can move things around. Yes, they can move things around. They can even uh, change our DNA. That seems a little frightening to people, but they literally have the ability to change our DNA um, to affect our mood, but to also try and tweak things so our vibrations can get on the same channel. So they work pretty hard to make that happen. That's amazing. And
0: what would you like our listening audience to know about Helping Parents Heal and how it helps grieving parents? And
1: It's just a wonderful, wonderful organization. Uh, there have been more hugs than I can count in, in this uh, conference. There's a lot of love. Uh, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of common belief and support that happens. As well as the uh, leaders of our organization, Elizabeth Poison and Irene Volatis, who hold at least, I'd say, four or five sessions a week by Zoom where there are mediums, there are healers, there are people that they can listen to and simply... Uh, be advised of what's out there so they can keep that education process going. And then there are affiliates like us who have, you know, usually once a month meetings or something like that, where people can have more intimate discussions if they want to. But it is a wonderful organization, and this is a wonderfully organized event. I mean, who would want to leave this setting and these people here? It's just, it's tremendous. Well, I think people
0: come very sad and they leave very uplifted and and hopeful and, they know their children are with them. How do you? Yeah, how, That's priceless. Yeah, it is priceless. Priceless. So how are all the ways members of our grief and rebirth audience can connect with you now that they want to belong to your affiliate link and maybe take a coaching class or whatever? How can they get a hold of you?
1: The easiest way might be to email me. And my name is Mary Burton, B-E-R-T-U-N, um, at Wolo which stands for communicating with our loved ones, cwolo.com. Uh, so people can email me that way. The website is also www.cwolo, Uh so they can reach the website that way as well. Um, I am uh, going to launch into another series of classes, probably one in September and one in October, because working with different timeframes and people's work schedules can be different. I try to keep groups small. I try to keep classes to no more than eight people. Uh, I try to keep practice sessions to no more than 12 people. You
0: really connect
1: individually with each of the people you're working with. Yeah, we get to know each other and then feedback on your connection is really important for other people to hear. Uh, It's really important for us to hear. We heard some wonderful stories yesterday, we even still hearing stories of what has happened for people. So really, really happy about that. Oh my gosh,
0: that's so wonderful. And I have a question, can grief and joy coexist, Mary? You're a person
1: who would really know about that. And do you have a tip for fighting joy in life? I would say that they can coexist. And the more you move into the joy and and love arena, the less less time you want to spend in the the grief arena. So I would say yes. I would say I'm not a poster child for that because I certainly made every mistake when I'm starting out. Um, But yes, I think think they can coexist. Uh, As you know, my, my son will do anything to get a laugh. He tried that again this morning between us. Um, but he will, uh, you know, he will still give me signs or send me messages to try and get me to laugh. And he did that early on too. Some of the things he would say were, I would say, pretty outrageous, and they were all designed to make me burst out laughing, which in fact I did. So uh,
0: I, I can honestly say, like all of a sudden, I looked at my cell phone and your number and all popped up, and then when I went to find it, it was gone. So I also know it was chess because. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, he knew what was going on. He's here, yeah. He had to get
0: to me. Yeah, he knew. (laughs) He knew. Well, Mary, I have to say it's such a pleasure to know you and how you assist people in their efforts to connect with their loved ones in spirit and their team in the spiritual realm. Thank you from my heart. For all you do to help people overcome their obstacles so that they can experience the joy of connection with their loved ones and spirit, for your valuable contributions to helping parents heal, and for the enlightening, insights-filled, and loving
1: conversation we just had. Thank you so much, Irene. And while we're here, I just want to put one last plug. I have many friends. And helping parents heal who listen to podcasts. And Irene's podcast is number one on their list. So oh, wow. I'm going to encourage even more of my friends within the organization to, to reach out, because I think that's helpful for people to hear. I really do. That is such a, that's a, such a blessing and a validation for
0: me. Thank you so yeah, so it much. Totally it's totally true. It's true. So here's a loving reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on ireneweinberg.com, and make sure to follow us and like us on Social at at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you're watching here on YouTube, be sure to uh, hit subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode with lovely people like Mary Burton. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Many blessings to be continued. And bye for now.